Hi there. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Sim podcast, brought to you by Anaxel, where we interview some of the brightest minds in simulation to discuss new methodologies, the current and future state of the discipline, learning resources, and inspiring stories. Anaxel is dedicated to advancing the science of healthcare simulation, and this podcast is an extension of our passion for simulation. I'm your host, Kyle Johnson, and I'm an associate professor and the associate dean for simulation at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center School of Nursing and a member of the Anaxel Education Committee. Welcome, everybody, to episode four of Let's Talk Sim, a podcast brought to you by Anaxel. We are so thrilled today to have Dr. Beth Rogers on our podcast. Um, a heads up before I introduce her, the reason I have her on today is we have a shared research background around the observer role in simulation and when we were talking about this year uh, and who we might bring on for the podcast, I said I would love to be able to geek out for a little bit with a fellow researcher about the observer role in simulation and really just someone's perspective on, on their program of research and how they see this um, advancing the science of simulation and nursing education. So with that being said, let me introduce to you Beth Rogers. Beth is currently serving as an assistant professor of nursing at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. With over 20 years of experience as a registered nurse, she has facilitated simulation and taught nursing at the associate and bachelor's level for eight years. Dr. Rogers' work focuses on developing sustainable simulation experiences, which increase simulation capacity while maintaining learning outcomes. More specifically, Dr. Rogers' program of research investigates how simulation roles impact learners' clinical judgment and cognitive load. Beth received her PhD from Texas Christian University in 2021 and maintains nursing education and healthcare simulation certifications. Most recently, she completed the 2022 National League for Nursing Simulation Leadership Institute. As an active Anaxel volunteer, Dr. Rogers collaborated with a colleague from Midwestern State University to establish Anaxel's Research Special Interest Group and subsequently led a multi-site research study investigating simulation faculty development. Welcome, Dr. Rogers. And with that, let's begin with our first question. So again, as I mentioned in the intro, we have a shared area of research interest. And so that's what I want to hit the ground running with is your work on the observer role and learner roles in clinical judgment. Um, and so I've been reading your work for a while, beginning with your systematic review and your most recent publications, but can you give us the highlights? What has your research demonstrated about learner roles? Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for this opportunity to be on your podcast. And um, I'm so excited to share my work with your listeners. You know, I've admired your work and followed your work as well uh, since my PhD journey started. Um, and so I'm so excited to be here with you today. But to answer your question, I think that my work so far in measuring observer clinical judgment outcomes has demonstrated that observers can gain significant clinical judgment. In my first study that I've published, that was actually my dissertation study. We used a mixed methods design to describe novice nurses' clinical judgment trajectory. Uh, after watching asynchronous expert modeled simulations over semester, and we found that observers gain significant clinical judgment over that semester. And to me, that was really exciting, both as a researcher 
as well as an educator, because before that, we had some evidence about observers' clinical judgment, but this work really helped advance the measurement as well as how well do observers gain clinical judgment. Um, So what we did was we had observers respond to 11 reflective questions, and then we graded those questions with the Lassiter clinical judgment rubric, and each of those questions kind of aligned with the LCJR subscales. And after we graded them, we um, analyzed them with statistics and found they, they gained clinical judgment over time. But as a researcher, that's great to know that the mean improved. But as an educator, we all know that all learners have different ability. So we not only looked at like the mean clinical judgment, but we broke down learners into three different groups and we classified them based on their ability on clinical judgment. And the way we did that was we took their total scores and ranked them according to their total score on the eight SIMs and classified them as high, medium, and low, and then reanalyzed the data. And that data showed that even despite their ability, all observers gained significant clinical judgment over the semester, which was super exciting to us, right? So um, to me, that that has major implications for simulation as well as the classroom, because we were able to show that these videos, the, the simulation videos, could be used to track clinical judgment over time, which is important for nursing education now that we have conversations about competency. And it can also help us identify at-risk learners. So to me, it wasn't just that the observer's clinical judgment gains were significant, but it's also like there's also practical applications to the observer that I think we have untapped so far. And so a follow-up study to that was that we just recently published in Nursing Education Today. We showed in that study that the way we measured clinical judgment in my dissertation study was reliable um, and it was also feasible to um, implement in the classroom. So the reliability, what we showed was it was hard in the beginning to um, get on the same page with grading that clinical judgment using the Lasseter clinical judgment rubric. But after practice, we were able to be very consistent and very reliable with reporting um, observers' clinical judgment. So to me, that just demonstrates that if we have good support to get practice with uh, using the LCJR, that the observer role is a potential untapped resource for nursing education to measure competency. And so I think both of those studies together really just demonstrate that we have, you know, we still have a lot to learn, but I think the observer role is a great use for helping learners gain clinical judgment. Gosh, that's so good. And, and, you know, you tap into something and, you know, every once in a while when I've had people that are on that talk about their dissertation findings and their, their significant findings, you know, you said something just a minute ago about, you know, it was great that their 
as a researcher, it was great that their mean scores improved. But what I consistently hear from you is this focus on practically important findings. And so I would just highlight again, and I've, I've done this a number of times on the podcast this year, but if you're a doctoral student and you're listening to this or you're thinking about research, this is the fun side where you get to really think about what these implications are for the learner and for your faculty. And you're highlighting some really good things here that, yeah, our mean scores improved, but you're talking about feasibility and sustainability and that your raters were consistent. That is, again, untapped. We need more evidence generated around that. Gosh, that's good. <laughs> it's the hardest part, I think, you know, is the application of the science. You know, it's great mm -hmm. to have data, um, but applying it is the next step. And so um, I agree. I think that it, it's really uh, great whenever we can find ways to help each other um, implement the great things that we find. And I, I think that was kind of part of our, the second part of our purpose. Yeah. Well, so what do you think the next steps are for research on the observer role in simulation? This is a great question. You know, I think I could talk about this for days. <laughs> sure, we both could. We both could. <laughs> but I know that the podcast needs to not be too long. So um, <laughs> I think, you know, we've amassed quite a bit of literature demonstrating that simulation observations work. So I really think uh, the next move forward is really discovering those conditions which best promote the learning and the observer role. Um, you know, I suspect that every sim observation design doesn't necessarily create the best conditions for learning, even though we, you know, usually work off of that assumption. Um, I, I, you know, I have tons of ideas on how we could investigate different conditions. And, and this is going to be the focus of my next uh, few studies. But um, I really think we need to start um, using some opportunities to design interventions um, and comparative design like observation designs to really figure out um, what works best um, and I know you have a study that came out recently with Dr. Dang that compared screen based versus virtual and those types of studies will really advance our understanding of simulation observation um, you know, I still think there's really a lot of opportunities to enhance um, measuring the simulation observation outcomes because it's just so hard to gather and measure what's happening internally between the ears of the learner during simulation yeah. observation. So uh, we we could really advance our understanding by having like more valid and reliable tools to capture that learning, I think. Um, but you know, that I think is the case in all simulation research, right? That's, that's the golden sure. ticket, right? So, um, and, and like all other simulation research, we need more rigorous designs, you know, that um, I think one of the greatest things or most interesting things that I learned from my dissertation um, study was that by doing a longitudinal study, um, I was really able to get a lot of more ahas from the data 
um, because it just gives a different look than just looking at one single simulation. Um, and yeah. so I think I was able to find a completely different message than if I had only looked at one simulation. And really it spurred a lot of ideas to follow up um, so that I can hopefully gain new insight into observer simulation best practice. Um, so, you know, I think those are a few things. Um, I, I always say that I think a lot of times we assume learners know how to do things. And I think a lot of times we assume learners know how to observe simulation. And I know a lot of your work or your recent work um, is demonstrating that we really need to cue observers um, differently and pre-brief um, observers differently. And I think we need a lot of, a lot more research like that focuses on the observer role so that we can really understand it and, and utilize it, um, in the best way that we can, you know, and while we still have a lot to discover, I'm still very much a proponent of simulation observation, uh, mm -hmm. because I really think it's an affordable solution to like scalable simulation. Um, but, you know, I think that we can always just learn more and more and more to really help um, inform the best practice of using sim observers. Yeah, gosh, that's so good. And you're right you and I could have coffee and work all the way through lunch and dinner and start and talk about this because I think, you know, and you use something similar to when I talk about like what's happening between the ears of the learner, like, and that is, that's the concern that we have as faculty, right? We want this to be an engaging learning experience for them. We want them to learn. We want them to learn well, right? And so yes. how do we, how do we set that up well as an educator? And so, I think, um, yeah, like I said, you and I could just keep going on this. Um, we'll hold off for now. We'll hold yeah. our we'll keep listeners waiting for what's to come. But, um, but, but yeah, this is so exciting to hear about your work. Um, but I also know that you're doing some other things. So you have an, a very active program of research. Uh, what other exciting things are you doing? What can we be watching for from you? Oh, um, I do have lots of, I always have lots of ideas. <laughs> But uh, the problem is sometimes I need an extra two days every week to get them done, you know. So um, sure. I, I do have some few, I have a few studies completed and um, they're in various stages um, and and I have lots of dreams. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I did a secondary analysis recently of my dissertation um, because even though, you know, it showed that clinical judgment increased significantly over time, um, the gains weren't consistent from sim to sim. Um, and that's where I say like the ahas were really interesting. Um, you know, you would hope as a researcher that everything is linear and it goes, you know, up or even exaggerated linearly, right? <laughs> um, sure. But each sim, uh, the gains were very different. Um, and so what I did was a secondary analysis to try and discover, like, what were the conditions that uh, made those changes different? Um, and what I found was that uh, whenever I analyzed and compared urgent versus non-urgent scenarios, um, learners actually uh, 
decreased their clinical judgment whenever they observed uh, multiple simulations. Um, and so to me, what that says is not that we shouldn't let uh, learners observe urgent situations. It's just that they might need a little bit more prep and a little bit more solid foundation um, before they are able to uh, really get everything that they need or learn everything that they need in the urgent situations. And honestly, the, the um, outcome isn't any different than active simulation. You know, there's lots of studies showing that um, active simulation uh, learners are challenged in urgent situations. And that's the same um, as a simulation observer. Um, and so I really think that what we need is just to really find when is the best time to um, make those situations more urgent and more complex. And it also kind of tells me that, you know, even though educators think we need to always challenge learners um, and like throw them in the most, you know, urgent situations. The My study shows that we actually should kind of hold off on that until they're ready. Um, and even with that, you know, I think that there's implications to the clinical situation uh, where a learner may observe a patient code, um, you know, to me, it really demonstrates that the learner needs extra debriefing, extra um, help to kind of work through and learn the most salient points of those urgent situations um, because they may not get it otherwise. So um, I'm hoping to submit that manuscript before school starts, cross my fingers. <laughs> and then positive energy your way. <laughs> yes. Um, I also uh, have data collected um, that kind of relates to some of your recent work where you talk about how uh, we should uh, prep pre-briefers or uh, we should pre-brief observers uh like individually and, and specifically related to the observer role. So what we did was we trialed priming observers by watching an expert nurse plan care before they watched the simulation observation to see if uh, watching that expert nurse think through the situation before she even goes into the sim or he um, will help improve the clinical judgment. Um, I'm analyzing that data right now and I hope to oh my gosh. get the I work. I cannot wait to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope, I'm really hopeful. I've read about half of the um, student responses and I'll tell you that it it is much better than the ones that I read for my dissertation work. Um, but I, I think that again, um, a lot of the observation um, stuff that I have learned also has implications for clinical, the classroom, um, as well as everything else. Like, I really feel like learners need to hear um, experts think through situations to help develop their clinical judgment. Um, and so I um, hope to get that study may be done by the end of this year uh we will see but um those are coming soon um but 
I'm also really excited. Uh, we got some new Toby eye tracking software at TCU. Okay. I'm not sure if you've ever heard about that, but mm -hmm. the devices really give us um, a more a new perspective into simulation observation. Um, and I, I really just can't wait to use those devices to to like yeah. unearth the simulation observation experience. So those are kind of my next uh, steps. But um, again, if anybody wants to collaborate, I'm always open and um, yeah. excited about simulation observation. Well, so again, listeners, you heard it here, like watch for these coming out because if I know anything about Beth, we'll see them coming forward with some excellent results. And again, the implications uh, for, for what this means for learners in the observer role. So let's shift gears just a little bit. Um, if I were a doctoral student right now, thinking about research focused in SIM, what advice would you give me? And, and are there any resources that Anaxel, uh, uh, that Anaxel has that you would point them to? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question. And honestly, I don't even know where to start <laughs> because, um, you know, uh, the doctoral experience is really like no other, um, you know, yeah. and um, I think my greatest advice for anybody um, wanting to do doctoral research is to find a great mentor. Um, they make the difference in your doctoral education. Um if you have somebody's work who inspires you, reach out to them. Um, you know, if you can go to their institution, I would encourage you to do that um, because the mentor really makes or breaks the doctoral experience. Um, and honestly, I've found most people in the simulation community are just approachable and open to sharing and so um don't don't be afraid to reach out um that that's my I think my first um but yeah. you know doctoral work is not easy um it requires a lot of patience and humility and being open to critique and critique like you've never gotten right so yeah. um when you get feedback embrace it because it really does make you a better researcher like um if I went back and looked at some of my beginning work I think I'd probably be quite embarrassed <laughs> because I learned so much from my mentor on um how to think how to write how to um design good interventions and research and so she definitely uh, made the difference so um you know far so far as um the anaxal um resources man they're they just really abound their anaxal has really wonderful resources to help doctoral students you know um i think the first thing i would point a doctoral student to would obviously be the healthcare simulation standards of best practice because um you know you really have to understand uh what high quality simulation is or what we know about it right now in order to design quality studies and test best practice and advance the science. So um, I would definitely start there. Um, yeah. But then beyond that, you know, Anaxel has a really great research fellowship where um, you can get paired with a mentor who can um, help you guide 
like creating a research project or a grant or a manuscript. And again, mentorship is key to developing your research abilities. So, um, you know, you're, once you become a nurse scientist, you will always continue learning. And that research fellowship, I just think, is a really great opportunity to learn from some of the best and brightest in simulation research. And then, um, you know, I, I'm a part of the special interest research special interest group, but there's tons of special interest groups and committees um, that are just wide ranging topics that, again, connection and mentoring is key. And I think that whenever you get involved with people who are like minded, it just only creates ideas and opportunities. And so um, getting involved in a group is um would be super helpful to any novice researcher. Um, and then I think finally, um, you know, the greatest resource I think Anaxel supports is the journal, <laughs> the clinical simulation yeah. nursing journal, right? Um, I yeah. read it religiously, you know, you can subscribe to the alerts so you know what's happening in the literature. Um, I would encourage any doctoral students to do that and even consider signing up to be a peer reviewer because um, one of the things I've learned is reviewing others work is just a great way to learn and solidify what you know as well as what you may not still know um, right. and then you just learn the way other people say things and investigate things and it really just helps you think through um I guess a manuscript right so um, I would look for all of those opportunities and um, join them as you have time which you know as a doctoral student you don't necessarily have as much time but um, Anaxel has great great resources. Thank you for sharing that because yeah I mean I think and I think you tapped into some of the things that I would I would be thinking about as well, um, and especially the journal. Uh, and those alerts are so helpful. Um, those alerts that come from the journal are helpful because you feel like you're reading something that's hot off the press. Uh, right. And and so you don't feel like you're reading something a little bit too late. You wake up, it's in your email inbox. You can do a quick scroll and you're like, I need to read this one, this one, and this one. And, and that's so invaluable because many times I feel like I see it in my inbox before it's even public, maybe the pub it's published on the, on the website. So, um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, if you, if email gets overwhelmed, if you follow them on Twitter or yes. um, any social media, uh, the Anaxel group has just gotten really good at publishing, um, you know, research in Anaxel or, or sharing it uh, that's been in ClinSim. Um, and so you can go, you can find multiple sources, LinkedIn to get um, up-to-date research. So um, yeah, I think it, it's really nice to not have to search the library necessarily <laughs> for, for sure. staying up to date. For sure. Well, Beth, thank you so much for sharing with us uh, briefly about your research, about what to what to expect from you, what we plan to see. Um, and, and I feel like so many times I'm able to say, uh, you know, we heard it first here and we're excited. And that's why we have this podcast is to let our listeners know what's ahead uh, in, in simulation science and education. And, and so we look forward 
to what's coming from you. And I hope that this spurs some people to read your work because I will tell you, it's excellent. Um, and so it's been so fun to watch your progression uh, in terms of what you found in your dissertation study and how you have reanalyzed it. And so again, I think if you're a researcher out there or aspiring researcher, you've heard what is constantly on the minds of us as researchers out in the field um, is, is we're just trying to find the best learning outcomes for people. And sometimes that means going back and looking at the data and always having a question and always learning. So thank you for spending your time with us today and telling us about your work. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Talk Sim. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it on social media or leaving us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. All of these things help support this podcast. Visit anaxle.org to learn more about Anaxle, how to get more involved in simulation, and gain access to Anaxle's member offerings. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a second of the latest developments in simulation. See you next time. <laughs>